welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters Podcast. This is Christopher, and I am once again here with Tom. Tom, how are you? Good. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, and one of the reasons I am fantastic is we have a very special guest with us today. My co-host from my sister podcast, Orphan Entertainment, is here. Lydia, welcome. Welcome sister to Time Sister from Shifters. another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very pleased to be here. Welcome, and all my mayhem with me. <laughs> Welcome to our chaos. Thank you. I look forward yes. to absorbing some and taking it back with me. <laughs> yes. From one chaos to another. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you having you here. Um, I guess because you're here and everything, and uh, there really hasn't been anything really kind of geeky or fun or interesting in the news or anything. Tom and I usually talk about some stuff that's gone on, but... Tom, unless you've got something, I'm, I got nothing. I, I've been still reeling since of our October, so I've been catching up on all things that weren't made for TV horror films. So right. <laughs> so it's been through a, a cleansing kind of thing right now. Yeah, I can't keep the movies, or I can't put the movies away. I'm still going through my fifty sci-fi classics quote-unquote from uh, mill creek and so like i said follow me on the social medias because that's where you're going to see me posting little uh, little excerpts of my thoughts on that and occasionally i will throw you know the video review sort of thing up on tiktok as well um, i'm not going to bore everybody with it now most of the stuff is not really worth talking about at length <laughs> <laughs> there has been a few gems which i'm really happy for but we may have to work those in at another time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of like making a list of ones that are like, other people need to watch this, and I need to know if I'm just crazy for liking it. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound familiar at all. He's making a list. I'll check it twice. <laughs> well, then I think for this show, we will go ahead and take a break and listen to a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we are going to get into the holiday spirit when we discuss 1986's Babes in Toyland. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. 
Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm, we'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Tonight is a spectacular movie premiere. Drew Barrymore is the little girl who must save Toyland from the clutches of evil. I want everyone destroyed. Why? She's Toyland's only hope, but she'll need the help of the karate kid's Pat Morita. You must remember to keep the child in you alive. Richard Mulligan is the evil Barnaby, and Eileen Brennan is Mother Hubbard in this holiday musical for kids of all ages. The all-new Babes in Toyland. Babes in Toyland is an American-made-for-television Christmas musical film directed by Clive Donner and stars Drew Barrymore, Richard Mulligan, Eileen Brennan, and Keanu Reeves. It was based on a 1903 operetta by the same name, which was previously adapted to film in 1934 with Lawler and Hardy, though that one barely resembles the original story and only contains a couple of, of the original songs. It was also adapted by Walt Disney in 1961 with, with Ray Bolger, Tommy Sands, and Annette Funicello. The version we will be discussing today was originally 194 minutes long when shown on NBC on December 16, 1986. It was trimmed to a 94-minute running time for an overseas theatrical release, and this is the version that was released to VHS as well. The full version has never officially been released, but apparently it can be found floating around YouTube labeled as Director's Cut. These are from someone's home recordings, and the quality may vary. The stars of the film, we have 11-year-old Drew Barrymore as Lisa Piper from Cincinnati, Keanu Reeves as Jack Nimble, Jill Sholin as Tom, Mary. why are you just cracking up? <laughs> I can see you just cracking up. <laughs> Look. Go on, go on, Chris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is not going to be your regular Time Shifters podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Continuing on, we have Richard Mulligan as Barnaby Barnacle, and Eileen Brennan as Mother Hubbard, and Googie Grass as Georgie Porchy. <laughs> we also have an appearance by Pat Morita as the Toy Master. A brief synopsis. Young Lisa is being driven home with her older sister Mary and friends Jack and George during a snowstorm. When Jack Suzuki, because I refuse to call it a Jeep as they do in the film, <laughs> swerves on an icy patch, Lisa is thrown from the car and slides down a hill into a tree. She awakens to find herself in the magical Toyland, where she disrupts the wedding of Mary Contrary to the evil Barnaby after learning that Mary's true love is a handsome Jack Nimble. Barnaby seeks revenge by hatching plans to take over Toyland. It is up to Lisa and her new friends to uncover his scheme and save Toyland from his army of swamp trolls. <laughs> swamp trolls. That is the briefest of, of descriptions, <laughs> and that doesn't even come close to discussing the, uh, as, as I think Tom would describe it, the uh, sort of uh, 
mushroom-induced fever <laughs> that is Babes in Toyland. Yeah, no, by the time I got to a scene where they were in the cookie factory, um, uh, that's when I texted all of you, <laughs> is, should I have had a pot cookie to, to thoroughly... <laughs> thoroughly understand this film or just well, some children <laughs> yeah maybe just kids maybe just it's just children. when you actually see this lydia i know this is a favorite of yours when did you first see this film i based on the release date i would have been six uh this was you mentioned the recorded off tv version that is literally the only version i've ever seen of this uh in for years and years complete with commercials oh wow you've been living off the vhs copy of this i I said for years and years i was (laughs) so i've progressed now to youtube (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i the i had no idea it was almost three hours long as a child it never occurred to me to think man this movie's too long as an adult it didn't occur to me to think that until i saw the running time i have to ask did you watch the director's cut for this show well, it's the same. It's the same one that I grew up with, because literally, that's just it's just recorded straight. Okay, now no, I didn't. There are two up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. One has the commercial breaks included, and one does not have the commercial breaks included. <laughs> I opted for the one without the commercial breaks. It's actually a little bit better quality. I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a marginally better quality, and of course, it doesn't include all of the Duracell and McDonald's commercials that we all know and love <laughs> from our childhoods. So, um, yeah, no, that is definitely the one I watched. I did not go for the 90-minute cop-out. Uh, I went for the three-hour sucker, and oh, I know wow. the words to almost every song in this movie. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, I had a feeling you were familiar with the big three-hour epic. Oh, um, yeah. I, I, Tom and I did watch the one that's available on Amazon Prime, which is only like 94 minutes. It is yes. the, uh, the the official release. And I was going to ask if you knew... A, if you had any idea what maybe they cut, and the only thing I could think of is maybe a lot of song and dance numbers. So I, that's interesting. Do you want me to go? I'll just start singing them, and you guys tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear this one? And we'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, I'm being catch. facetious. No, Tom, it's okay. I'll just let the recorder go. You and I can go. To- <laughs> but there, I mean, there are some of them that are key to the plot, the Cincinnati right. song. Mm-hmm. I'm fighting it. I'm trying really hard not to sing it. But C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati, the best town in O-H-I-O, Ohio, USA. At first they called it Cincy, but since Cincy is so natty, they named it Cincinnati, so they say. Hey, the girls are pretty, pretty in this pretty little city. You can't skip that one. Um, I mean, there are half a dozen songs in this movie, some of them more important than others, multiples of them very badly dubbed. And uh, Drew Barrymore's singing voice in this movie is not Drew Barrymore's singing voice. No, it, it is not. 
a woman who's trying to sound like a child and ends up sounding so, like something terrible. Uh, everybody else, though, I, I think everybody else in it, with the possible exception of Pat Morita, who is not known for his singing talents, is not bad. They're not bad singers. And there are some real gems of songs in this movie that make me smile every time I hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll admit I kind of smiled at just the Cincinnati song, just because other than the cockroach that ate Cincinnati... I don't know of any other Cincinnati songs. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. I mean, <laughs> oh, really? It, it's a song that obviously was made for this movie. Yes. Clearly. but By if you, somebody that's never been to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had to have a song for your city, it's just so peppy. Also worth mentioning, the lyrics from this movie, if I'm not mistaken, are by... Uh, also by a woman who also wrote lyrics for Willy Wonka, the original one. Um, also the first Harry Potter movie, <laughs> Victor Victoria. Uh, and the theme song to James Bond's You Only Live Twice. That's a heck of a spread. <laughs> so She wrote she wrote You Only Live Twice. It's like one of my favorite the Bond lyrics, movies. The lyrics to it. So yeah. well, that's one and, of my favorite Bond songs. I <laughs> could have some data wrong, but from what I found and what I've inferred, since there literally are no other lyrics, well, no, it literally says the theme to You Only Live Twice. Um, and she may have co-written any of these, but because credits are so, they're not like, hey, this at this point, you don't have this song was written by this person for this TV show. You just have lyrics contributed by. But right. when you're talking about the theme song to a movie, you know, maybe maybe she co-wrote it. But that's a heck of a spread. I mean, there there are some really good movies in there. And the original songs in this movie, obviously... Um, the song for Babes in Toyland is not an original one. There are no lyrics to the March of the um, Toy Soldiers. So a lot of the songs in here are going to include that writer. So it's, it's just interesting, like, digging into that. Obviously, I'm way more passionate about this than you guys are. <laughs> but there are some great lyric moments in these songs. Great meaning highly enjoyable, not, like, award-winning. <laughs> That's what's amazing to me about this film. Um, the amount of actual talent that is in this film is astounding. <laughs> and it's a train wreck. It's okay. You got, I mean, you got to think, first of all, this was made in 1986 for TV. I lived in almost. 1986. This was <laughs> a almost. train wreck in 1986. But, but, uh, but it's a made-for-TV movie from 1986. We've been watching made-for-TV. It is aimed at children. It, 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 it is, is a children's aimed movie. at children. But you, there, there is some undeniably poor direction in this. There is one standout horrible acting performance in this that I don't expect anybody even Christopher to deny <laughs> and it just I, it, I don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> he said with a little pink in his cheeks but you know bear in mind 11 years old she you know has I don't think she's received an academy award at this point no. so uh you know we'll give her a little bit of leeway that, but aside from some of the child acting that is inevitably going to give us pain in any era, 
there's not there's some actually not horrible acting in this that sounds so bad there are some decent performances in this i'm just gonna say that no i will actually say no drew was definitely the weakest actor in the film Mm -hmm. everyone else even at this point i mean keanu is kind of just starting 19 maybe 20 in this movie he's very young but he has more facial expression in this movie than in all of his other movies since then. Yeah, I actually <laughs> found him to be a much more natural presence in this film mm-hmm. than than when you get up to things like Point Break or... Bill um, and Ted. I yeah, mean... Yeah. Honestly, the last time I watched Bill and Ted, I remember thinking like, hmm, wow, he's rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, watch The Matrix. And yeah. this is a movie about somebody who has something they're excited about in their life and they're passionate about it. They're not just being led through a wonderland of mania, which is essentially what the Matrix is. He's got no clue what's going on the whole time. Same with Bill and Ted. He's got no idea what's going on the whole time for different reasons. But in this movie, you know, he's got a he's got a purpose. He's got a passion. He's trying to save somebody he loves. No, it's not an Academy Award winning performance, but... I, there is some chemistry that they have between some characters in this, between some actors in this, that it's you you can't look at it and go, man, they really should have cast somebody different in that. Um, so when you're talking about Jack and Mary, they're adorable together. Yes. And they have that absolutely fabulous song that I keep trying to talk my husband into singing with me. He won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wonder if that, I don't remember them singing a song together. One of that <gasps> is one of one that has been excised. So yeah. you didn't get the one where it goes, no, it's the feeling of falling from a great height. It's the feeling of flying. It's the feeling of staring at a great white light. There's no denying. Such intensity, it could knock down ten city walls. It excites, it enthralls, it delights, it appalls that feeling. Oh my goodness. Okay, so no. you have literally missed some of the best moments. Did you get Barnaby's song in it? I've created uh, a monster, monster piece. piece. Yes, we got okay, that one. Thank you. Yes. Those are the two best songs in the movie. And mm. you and you missed one of them. So it's almost like you haven't seen this movie. I kind of You haven't about seen that. Keanu singing. Oh <laughs> my gosh. This is the only movie I know of in the entire world where Keanu Reeves actually sings it and does his own singing. So well, I guess he sings in some other songs as well, but the, it is a duet between Mary and Jack. And of course, it's a song all about the feeling of love. And it's actually really good. I feel like I should say, no, right now we're going to pause this podcast. We're going to go look it up and we're going to listen to it because it's, I think it's a gem. It's, it's very sweet. They're talking about, you know, the feeling of flying, the feeling of being drawn to a bright light. And it's, you know, the feeling of, you know, You know, it's all these different feelings. It's so sweet. I'll just go ahead and sing it for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is is really a beautiful song. It's a really sweet moment. Jack's in jail, and it's just him and Mary. So I'm going to stop gushing. But gosh, if you guys watch this, look for the version that has all the songs in it, because it does make a difference. Not all of the songs are great songs. There's a song that Lisa sings about deciding whether or not she wants to live in the fantasy world. I live in two worlds. One 
made of toys or something. I forget all the lyrics. Not a great song. Also not a great lip syncing performance. Also not a great faux singing voice, that whoever dubbed it for her. <laughs> there are songs that they could have skipped that you guys are giving me a little bit of a blank look. Maybe they did. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but this is a TV movie for kids in the 80s. Of course, it's going to have a bunch of songs in it. And oh, the songs absolutely. are one of the big pluses to this particular movie. So it, it is it does help me go, OK, that's why you're like, should I should I be, you know, trying out some mushrooms while I watch this movie? Because <laughs> if you're watching this movie and there are no musical numbers in it, you're going to be like, this is the worst movie I ever saw. Yeah, they've definitely cut a lot out as far as the music numbers. Because I can, I can only think of the Cincinnati in the beginning. Yeah. Monster piece. Yeah. Uh, they reprise Cincinnati again when they're mm-hmm. shaking off the, uh, the effects of the, uh, the evil potion. Yeah, and then there's uh, the one where Jack gets arrested, and then Lisa and and Mary and Georgie are trying to figure out what to do. It doesn't look good, but I'll think of something. You no, guys are shaking think, your heads. No. I think we only get the three wow. songs. Oh, so there are, uh, and, and then, then there's, there's the song at the end uh, where we do get Pat Morita trying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, eyes of a child. I think. Yes, yeah. which is a sweet. It's a really sweet song. It's a very sweet sentiment. Not he, you know, he's not. They didn't hire him for his singing voice. They hired him because he had been in Karate Kid, and yes. and he's he's great as the Toy Master. He's so cute and he's so sweet. Not a great singer, um, but oh, I'm so I'm so sad for you. <laughs> so after this, go look up just that one scene. Jack and Mary, you know, in jail. It's a really it's a sweet song. I feel like what I might do at some point is dial up the 145 minute or whatever it is the 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 YouTube version and just have it on and kind of like in the background yes. while I do something else playing on my phone, just have it on in the background just to, uh, to experience the entire thing. So that makes me wonder too, though, there are a lot of one-liners in this. There are a lot of, Oh my gosh, there, you know, there's when they break Jack out of jail and then Georgie says, I'm not really the hero type. And Jack goes, Oh buddy, they could cut three heroes out of you fat joke in the middle of (laughs) like in the middle of breaking this guy out of jail they pause to make a fat joke and i was like this is an 80s movie holy cow (laughs) but there are a lot of one-liners in there where people say like uh barnaby says um oh he says i'm gonna be the master of toyland and lisa says you're the monster of toyland this is a cute little play on words there's a lot of dialogue in here that they probably cut a lot of it out because it's not it's not required for the story so i think there's more to the dialogue in this movie than than you would get on just a first run through i'm guessing there's got to be a lot of stuff that's been cut out not just the 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 music numbers because obviously they cut out quite a few but they would have had to they would have to cut an entire hour out i don't know would that be taken up by just the music numbers or or we could easily be missing some adjoining scenes and stuff there was a few times where i felt like there was a jump a hard cut yeah no you you're definitely right i mean none of the songs are very long they run you know two to four minutes at the most i think four minutes is you know like one of the longest ones where what that always felt like a really long song to me when lisa's trying to decide if she should you know help georgie go to the forest of the night or not that I think is one of the longest songs, maybe just the slowest. 
no, they're not very long songs, so they have to have cut out a lot of stuff. There's a car chase that I didn't remember being in the movie at all. That was there. Oh, yeah. why would they include that? That is the most useless scene in the entire movie. It's actually a scene I really enjoy because I'm sitting here thinking, I want one of these cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you did you get the bit where they where Trolog is attacking them and they paint out his eye? Yep. And they, of course, they include the horrible eye gouging of Trolog. <laughs> By the way, Trolog TV, who doesn't want one? I want one. <laughs> That would actually be very cool. A television set. <laughs> Trolog TV. The eye would lift up and the TV would be on. <laughs> it's so horrifying. It's really awful. And but... actually a pretty, actually a fairly decent effect for. Uh, oh, really? For, yeah. For, for 1986 made for TV. I thought they actually did that really well. Which is funny. I, again, I mean, I've been watching this for <laughs> years. And <laughs> for, let's say, over 30, uh, over 30 years. And it never occurred to me to question it as a special effect. You know, there are bad 80s special effects where they're trying to do that overlay and they just fail at it. And they mm-hmm. don't in this one. It's No, it looked good. Honestly, the whole movie where there were visual effects, I think they did a really nice job. And I also thought the costuming was done really well. I thought the set dressing was very good, especially yes, and... for a TV program. Right. Uh, and all of this, I think, was built. For the production of this film it wasn't like funny little town in the back that you mm-hmm. can paint up or anything it was constructed i think they actually went to germany to film this oh uh, wow they went to munich did they to film it i feel like the t- the cookie factory could very easily be an existing building that they just painted up oh yes possibly but the all town the little itself, streets yeah although it could be just the cookie that could be just the facade you know and you got to mm-hmm. climb the ladder and you go in and that's as far as you go you cut mm-hmm. and come back down the stairs yes yeah. So who knows? But yeah, the entire village and the little cars that they race around and everything. It was like, yeah. I'm thinking this must have been a real blast to actually <laughs> be on set and kind of have that little place to play in. Oh, well, I mean, there are furries. There are Lolitas. <laughs> there are corrupt bears. I couldn't believe how corrupt the bears are in this movie. So, and you also, you didn't mention something in the summary, which makes me wonder if... It was cut at the beginning of this movie. It starts off with there's a huge snowstorm coming into yeah. um, Ohio and Lisa runs to her sister's job and her sister's job is owned by Barnaby in the real right. world, who yeah. is a major creeper, like, oh, like, yeah. like Scary. rubbing his fingers against Lisa's or Mary's neck. Ooh. Actually, while you're on that point, this was actually one of the moments where I, I had a little hope. At the beginning, because <laughs> it was a little advanced for for the, a mid '80s film for for the boss to be creeping on essentially a teenage girl employee, and she called him to the floor on it. Oh yeah, Hardcore. I mean, considering yeah, this is the era of um, what, what's the Dolly Parton movie Nine to Five, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where it's basically just accepted that. Yeah, you're going to get hit on by your boss and you and you might as well just deal with it. Like, yeah, and she gets in his face about it. I was like, anyway. Shaq <laughs> just gets in and his, his face, the the part that made it even better was not just that she stood up for her herself and then flat out quit uh, with no worries about what that was going to entail, but her 
her male companions, uh, Jack and, and George, they also threw in with her saying, mm-hmm. nope, you can't behave like that. We're not good with that. So mm-hmm. it was a little progressive, I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that even the, the people in the store at the time, when she starts yelling back at him, everybody gets quiet and starts paying attention. But it's not an uncomfortable attention. Like, why is this girl freaking out? It's like, dude, that guy's awful. Like, right. yeah. you know, it's kind of hard. To- you could almost feel their stink eye going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The guy, yeah. the guy was getting the, the gruff in that. I mean, it, there was no doubt where everybody leaned on this. Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, so I was curious if that was in there. So it was. No, that, that it was. It was. Yes. Um. So yeah, the the parts that they must have cut out of this must have been. Uh, there must be huge chunks, and now I'm curious. Now I'm sorry I didn't realize that we were watching different versions because I could <laughs> I could have brought some of those to the forefront. Um, genuinely, the song that I mentioned before at length is. One of my favorite songs of any romantic scene of any movie. Not my, not absolutely my favorite, but I can't think of any others to rival it, especially in a musical. Like, it's just a very sweet song. Um, but there's some good chemistry between them. There's really good chemistry. Weirdly, like, the best thing about having Drew Barrymore in this movie is the chemistry between her and Mary is so good. They really come, you know, they've got the cute little thing at the beginning. Oh, you're a rat. Yeah, I love you too. You know, all that cute little stuff that they do. But then throughout the whole thing, they just click really well. And at no point do you go, I don't think those two are really sisters. Like, yeah, they're obviously pretending to be sisters. That I think, you know, the the chemistry between Georgie and Lisa, you know, uh, not the best acting ever, but they still... It, it felt like, okay, yeah, I could see these two running around together. It wasn't like, oh, God, that's awkward, uh, obviously. <laughs> as far as the cast go, the chemistry between the entire cast, again, like I said, I, it really feels like everyone was having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were having fun doing their job, and that was coming through in the acting. I mean, two characters that have not a single line. <laughs> Zach and Mac. <laughs> Barnaby's two little gray-faced buddies. Oh, I mean, right. Yep. <laughs> the, the little trolls or whatever they were. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're just like goons. Yeah, his little goons are, you know, and I think those were, I, after I did go back and watch the Laurel and Hardy one, um, and I think Zach and Mac are a nod to that. Um, very grateful they didn't try and give them bigger parts. It, they could have really made it very bad very fast. Um, but their little bits in chemistry and their, their little, like every, you know, like when <laughs> Jack goes to stop the wedding and they palm him <laughs> because obviously that's going to stop somebody from like attacking somebody they're really angry at showing them your palms, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they almost mime him. <laughs> and I mean, in that way, oh my gosh, I've been mimed, you know, so <laughs> but I, it, it stops him. And then afterwards, you know, they both like, you know, they kind of back away for Barnaby to go and then they both do the little, oh, after you kind of motion at the same time they're just their little bits of this that kind of that kind of crack you up you're like god these these are the evil guys in this world but they're also kind of goofy like they're also <laughs> the only really evil one like well the trolls are evil but you know is barnaby <laughs> and barnaby has like the best song in the whole one <laughs> 
is the lyrics in his song are fabulous. So he's like, he says something about him making his special evil. <laughs> it's like, you know, for the special person in your life, get the special evil, <laughs> Barnaby evil. <laughs> well, they did a really nice job making him evil, but not making him so scary that you don't want to watch him because this yes. was made for young children. I mean, yeah. it's definitely made for young kids, the, well, the, the entire thing. So even the, uh, the trolley guys are kind of scary, but they don't act super scary. So the really, the really trolls, yeah, his, the, his sidekick, what'd you call okay, him? Zach? Zach and Mac. Yeah. Zach and Mac. Right. They look kind of hideous. Yes. But they act like kind of silly. Saying, kind of very silly so that kind of helps offset it yeah really kind of the what i would see as being kind of the more terrifying moments for a young child was would maybe be when all the troll monsters are uh, attacking and, and marching through town and that stuff. and actually trollog when he's going to attack them when they're tied up like mm-hmm. trollog who by the way gotta say this also hoggle in the labyrinth same lady <laughs> yeah, i mean it's just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I always thought that was really scary. Here's this creepy looking bird thing with one eye, like trying to attack him and peck him. And I, you know, I always thought that was really, now, of course, I'm like, oh, a troll log's so cute, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that the trolls themselves and troll log are, have potentially really scary, which is what makes the song that Barnaby does like all the more delightful. Here mm-hmm. he is in this evil lair, this creepy place. Jack is in danger. You should be really scared for him. And here's Barnaby singing about, you know, making his evil life complete. <laughs> and he's created a monster <laughs> piece. You know, it's just, it's so Jim Henson. <laughs> it's just so Jim Henson. I love it. As far as I know, Jim Henson had nothing to do with this movie, but it, it totally reminds you of that like that level of scary like the goblins under the bed in labyrinth where they're scary because there's something under the bed but they're not scary because they're like kind of laughing and kind of playing and they're not really dangerous Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah but barnaby i love i love um richard mulligan's performance of barnaby because he takes it and runs with it he is He's got the creepy fingers going, and he's got the long nails. Oh, I like his—he had like normal <laughs> fingers except for one thumb. Had the that thumb. giant 
claw nail on it. Yeah. That he would use the point. He wouldn't point with his index yeah. finger. He'd point with his thumb. And and he's he is obviously really evil. And and Richard Mulligan takes it and he like runs with this role. And if he had done a little bit more, it would be it would put you off. But if he did a little bit less, it would put you off too. You'd be like, oh yeah, this guy's not really buying into this role. This is a, a talking cat level, you know, where <laughs> where you need him to be committed to believe it. And this is, you know, this beats that and becomes where you're like, oh yeah, this guy is Barnaby. You're not like, this is a guy that got suckered into this role or lost a bet or something. Like he really plays Barnaby. And mm-hmm. I think that's so much of what makes this movie work for me is it no point do you look at it and go, eh, he's not really that scary. And you also don't look at it and go, oh, this is too scary. I don't want to finish watching it. It's just right in that in that sweet spot, in yeah. that monster piece. It's a monster piece. <laughs> I pronounce you. But she doesn't love him. Who said that? She loves Jack, and she really shouldn't be marrying you. Uh. Well, whoever you are, this is none of your business. Who are you? I'm Lisa Piper, and I'm from Cincinnati. Cincy Watsky? You don't scare me, Mr. Barnacle. Let go of me. Well, whoever you are, you will regret the day you ever set foot in Toyland. I could definitely see myself if you could take me back to being a you know, a six year old or something like that and seeing this, I would have absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. It's it's right in there with the never ending story and all that kind of stuff. I love there's one line I gotta mention, he says when he's got Jack in he's got Jack in the jails or in his you know private jail cell in his own dungeon in his personal dungeon (laughs) and and he says you know you're gonna write this letter or else we're gonna you know we're gonna take mary and feed her to the trolls and he's like no you know okay i'll do it and he's like barnaby you're a monster and he says you have to admit for an evil person i'm actually very well organized (laughs) (laughs) i love it i'm like that explains a lot about me (laughs) but no i I love, like, I love it. He just, like, does that little nod where we automatically assume that evil people are just disorganized. But he's like, for an evil person. <laughs> I, I love Barnaby in this movie. And the, and the older I get, the more I, Barnaby becomes, like, my favorite character. <laughs> Eileen Brennan is kind of a, a fun little guest actress. Um, she is in everything she's in. Everything she's in, her role is just delightful it, it, she this she's in the era before they take saturday night live personalities and try and make them into a movie it's just the right amount of her but i love mm-hmm. her when she starts talking to Bon barnaby and she says well how's that little that adorable little pet of yours trollog what is it a pekingese <laughs> <laughs> and he's like tro I, I hope this is in your version i'm not sure i don't oh my goodness that. and barnaby stops it's after he's gotten the bottle of evil and she's like trying to. Oh, thank you for the flowers you gave me. Of course, Lisa gave her yeah, Mary's flowers. No. That no, that was something that went nowhere. Oh, yeah, no, they there's, cut the, that there's out. the moment. Yeah, as soon mm-hmm. as uh, she got the flowers, uh, 
that that, that didn't come up again in our version. Oh, so a little bit later, she starts falling down the street. Oh, do you like my gown? Oh, what is that adorable little pet of yours? What is it, a Pekingese? And Barnaby just stops. And he turns around and he goes back to her and he goes, Trollogue is a dwarf troll. And she goes, oh, is that what it is? He must be very rare. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's one of a kind. She's like, oh, well, he's just adorable. Like they have this little thing and he's like, I really have to go. I really have to go. But she's like (laughs) trying so hard. It's this, oh, it's such a great little moment. So yeah, it sounds like they cut the best parts out just to try and- They may have. Oh, that's a tragedy. Actually, what I think needed to happen is you're so familiar with the long form version of it that you kind of needed to see the short version to actually see how awful it is (laughs) because you're bringing up some excellent points here is uh i i remember the whole shtick where they started uh drew barrymore's character um and, and this was a frustration with the version that we watched is they're very much into this whole they, they brought in the, the whole babes in Toyland thing where in Cincinnati, everything's joyful there. She hits her head. She's now in Toyland. We get about all the way through our version, and it's like right at the last 15, 20 minutes is when they want to focus heavily on the fact that Drew Barrymore's character was too grown up. And they yeah. thrust that on us with only like 15 minutes left in this film and like yeah where the hell did that come from (laughs) yeah i was gonna bring that up too that came out of nowhere i didn't think we've got enough backstory with her being the the responsible one or being the one that was taking care of everything at home we got yeah we got hints of that when when her her mother eileen brennan's character in the real world Mm -hmm. um we got hints of that because she got caught somewhere with I guess their brother, it was, mm-hmm. they were a little fuzzy on how everyone related to each other at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah, they're putting the chains on Joey now. They're what? Right. <laughs> oh, they're putting the chains on my car. Right. No, you're, you are right. That is a shortcoming of this movie, and that's a shortcoming in both formats. Okay. Um, they I was curious mention about that. It, they mention it early on where Mary is saying, I got you a Christmas present. I assume this part's in it. This is the yes. beginning. Yeah. And and she's like, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. And she's like, oh, is, is it a blender? We could really use a new blender. And Mary's yeah. like, no, it's a sled. And Lisa's like, oh, oh, okay. And she's like, oh, you know, you're not excited. I'm and sure it's great. Yeah, 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 no, that sounds great. But, you know, you still, they don't go into it very far. You're exactly right. It is a shortcoming of the story. She does keep saying, I'm not a child, I'm not an infant, I'm not a child. They, but, they picked up on that a few times. And, and, but, I mean, like what you're talking about, during this, um, and that's actually where Drew Barrymore's character actually does shine a little bit, is her 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 ability to kind of turn something around in the scene that's going on, where everyone's, like, upset with Barnaby that he was going to marry Mary, she turned it into an opportunity for, or rather, Eileen Brennan's character is, is upset that Mary won't marry Barnaby. Yes. And Drew Barrymore turns it around and says, but this is an opportunity for maybe an older woman to... Mm-hmm. to for an elegant woman. Yes. He should be free to... Yes. Yes. She, she does that, which was very clever, but... 
in the version that Chris and I watched, that died on the vine in that moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than the flowers being passed on. Yeah. It didn't so, come up again. There was no right. relationship built with Eileen Brennan and Richard Mulligan, and it it didn't come up. We didn't see that part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to it. When that came up, I was kind of looking forward to the scenes that Lydia there, describes. There was, as, there's some comedy gold in, in, yes. in that. Yeah, we yeah. didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that and, that's like that's really tragic. You're not wrong, though. There is not enough explanation of the the problem of the the it feels a lot like a bit of deus deus ex machina in this where all of a sudden oh well it's lisa's fault that that we can't defend hoyland oh yeah by the way we never mentioned it but you're putting us all in jeopardy what right yeah, <laughs> yeah. when you're gonna put the weight of the entire film <laughs> yeah. on, on on this important oh you have to learn to be a child and love toys in order to save us wait, yeah wait what? It yeah. feels like somebody could have said that earlier. Like, wow, Lisa, you're really grown up, but I don't see you over here playing. Like, oh, you know, don't you want to go play with this? No, no, I'm good. I want to see the cookie factory. Or, you know, like there could have yes. been something yes, to you're in to Toyland. Get. You've got living dolls and, and teddy bears Cats. running around. <laughs> Shouldn't there have been something? You could have done something there mm-hmm. that showed her being not interested you know, have a bunch of the of the toys come and see if she wants to play. And her just and brush her it like, off. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want to exactly, play. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. No. I that. I mean, that is genuinely you pointing that out, and it like I wish I could say, oh yeah, no. There's this great segue into it. That is the big out of left field in the movie is when all of a sudden. You know, the toy the toy master is saying, oh, yeah, but I can't defend us because there's one person here that just don't believe. <laughs> and they're all like, who could it be? And the fact that they don't know who it could be is a reflection of the story up to this yes. point. <laughs> well, and then it's not even believable when she suddenly goes, oh, no, I believe in you, toy soldiers. And yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm not buying this. There is this. some <laughs> bad editing in that scene. There's a moment where she's like, I believe in you. I believe in you. And then it, it cuts and it shows her just like smiling. And then it like cuts again and she's running over toy soldiers. I believe in you too. There's just some bad editing in that particular scene. It feels like, it feels like they were like, okay, wait, we have to make this transition, but we've only got, we've only got another 30 minutes in this movie. Uh Oh, we better hustle in this three hour movie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I, I, there is some, there are some, I would say, Maybe some scenes that were put in this movie to make the the TV runtime, um, and those may not have been the ones that were cut out for the final edit. Well, uh, and, it sounds like they weren't. And even in the the ninety plus minute version that we got, that's where this one hurt for me. Is mm-hmm. yeah, it just felt like we we're we're doing a bunch of stuff. We're doing a bunch of stuff, and now we're gonna get to to the 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 thrust of this with no time left to do anything. And it was just like, they, they hit you with a baseball bat at the end. Lisa, <laughs> you're the reason we're, what? <laughs> it got dark. And Pat Morita's toy master actually is the one that got really dark in that, in that <laughs> moment. He's the one. Well, it's your fault. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's nothing I can do if you just won't believe. Yeah. Right. It, <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there's definitely some 
you kind of you kind of wanted her, you kind of wanted Lisa to go. Well, you're all screwed. Yeah. And, like, and, and walk out. You know what? Well, I'm I, I, you know what? I think I'm coming out of this. <laughs> and this is where, like, this is where Drew Barrymore's very. I'm gonna I'm gonna be polite and call it her very rough performance. Um, this is where her very rough performance makes that scene so much worse than it had to be. There's a lot of extremely forced smiling in this scene. Like, in, in the parts where she's doing something and she's moving, there's always that kind of bad stage acting where they run into the toy factory and then everybody stops. And then they say their lines to each other and then they run on. And it's like, oh, come on, do some do some walk and talking. Come on, like, you know, I know it's yeah. the 80s, but they had that back then. It, 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 it feels a little bit like a high school performance. Yes. Yes. And it, there are the, the things where it's relying heavily on Lisa to do all the performing just escalate that awkwardness like by many multitudes. So I don't, I'm not going to blame Drew Barrymore for the whole thing. <laughs> it's, she didn't write it. <laughs> she didn't have that non sequitur. She didn't cause the non sequitur. But I feel like they could have had, there that there was potential for maybe a, a more experienced actor or maybe a more natural actor to be able to say I I never you know oh I I I had I really forgot what it was like to love to play with toys like maybe maybe yeah when when my father moved out or maybe when my father died whatever it was when you know when my father moved away or my father was gone I felt like I had to take care of the family there there's an opportunity to make it feel like it makes more sense but there between the the editing probably the directing definitely the acting it falls apart in that one scene and that is the hardest scene to watch it is it from a technical merit perspective <laughs> everything else kind of flows and you kind of just go with it and yeah maybe you're like i feel like i'm on a mushroom high maybe you're like oh wow this is the cutest little design ever i want to make you know a dollhouse that looks like this whole village but once you get to this scene and and all of a sudden lisa's supposed to realize something deep and you're you're sitting there watching it and waiting for her to get to that deep realization and waiting and waiting well, and, and to the point, though, I mean, you can't lay it all at Drew Barrymore's feet because the movie did nothing to support that scene either. I mean, mm -hmm. up to that point, this is a goofy tale of a oddly bad guy um, trying to take over a toy land. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, it's all the little girl's you didn't lay any groundwork for that to be the case it was always going to be up to her to save toyland that's the construction of this type of story oh yeah it's a but wizard of oz no, yeah, yeah this is wizard yes, of oz it is wizard of oz yeah because uh, actually i would ask both of you because i am deeply fuzzy on anything related to babes in toyland it's been forever since the only one I've ever seen before is the Annette Funicello one, and I don't really remember it. It's been so long. Does this have anything to do with the actual babes in Toyland? It does with the 1961, um, the black and mm -hmm. white. It's actually, basically, the 1961 version follows it fairly closely if you just completely remove the Lisa storyline. 
It's all about Mary Contrary and Jack being nimble trying to get together. And then, of course, you've got um, Laurel and Hardy in it making a mess of everything and doing <laughs> funny gags on the side. They well, the, take Lisa's place, really. That's the 1930 is Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Thank you. Um, so the that black and white version, the 1930s one, excuse me, <clears throat> is... Not not very far off from this, actually. Not, in my opinion, not nearly as good. Um, it's almost a, it's almost a sideshow act where they huh. have, you know, Puss in Boots and a monkey dressed like a mouse that he chases around. And then you've got the three little pigs. But, but nothing, there's not, the only thread that links any of it together is Barnaby trying to marry, marry Contrary and... Jackie Nimble being her love interest. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not Mary Contrary. It's Bo Peep in that one. And okay. I think it's still Jackie it's Nimble. It's a totally different movie, then. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it really... It, but the storyline is the same. You've got the evil Barnaby. He's trying to take the mother's house away to get the daughter to marry him. And then, you know, so it, it's like the 1986 version goes more in depth into kind of a more, quote, realistic in you know 1980s mindset of what it really could be like so that's interesting because you're saying this one relates more to the 1930s movie which earlier chris had mentioned doesn't actually parallel the original story yeah i i I read that it kind of departed a lot from the original story and maybe the 61 and the 86 was probably a little closer so Mm -hmm. curious i don't really want to go and watch the other two but i feel like i'm gonna have to i you know the laurel and hardy one it was fine you know it's it's a laurel and hardy movie it's you know them being goofy and they've got to they've got to overcome some bad guy but they do it or don't do it by making a mess of everything and then there's always some romance in those movies there's always some other couple that's trying to get together and they're either helping or hindering. Um, it, it, it's If you like Laurel and Hardy, go watch it. If you're like, eh, not really that into Laurel and Hardy and I certainly don't want to hear, um, oh, I can't think of his name, but the, the male lead in that does a couple of songs and swear to God, one of them reminds me so much of The Night is Young from Robin Hood Men in Tights. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's if you like that type of movie, it's definitely worth watching. If you're interested in what adults thought children liked in the 30s, there is a wealth of interesting stuff in there. Horrifying Three Little Pig Masks. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Terrifying. There are, yeah, there are some things in it that you go, man, I feel feel bad for my grandparents like if that's what if that was people's idea of cute back then (laughs) but that's more historical interest so have you seen the walt disney version lydia i looked for it as you can imagine anything produced by disney is a little difficult to find these days unless you're paying for a particular service Mm -hmm. so i found some clips of it they did not encourage me to go out of my way to find the movie. But you'd never watch it historically. You hadn't seen it in the yeah, past. I think I did, but it would have been around the time I saw this one. It would have been gotcha. many, many years ago. 
Okay, curious, because that's what Tom was saying. Is that's the one he he had yeah, seen prior? It, in fact, actually, uh, I didn't even know this one existed. <laughs> Most people don't. I mean, it was literally a TV, made for TV movie. Like up until gosh, the last five ten years, you couldn't find the Rudolph claymations. We had all of them on tape. I grew up watching those. Um, then they decided to remarket them, changed a bunch of the songs, and released them on DVD for $14 for a 20-minute claymation. What were <laughs> they thinking? But anyway. Um, but yeah, I think unless you had, unless you had your family like taped Christmas specials, and then you continued to watch those as, as a child growing up, a lot of these movies, there's one by Jim Henson called The Christmas Toy. And I think this was a double feature on a tape, on a VHS with that movie. And it's all about the toy that a kid gets for Christmas and all the, all the toys are alive when the kids aren't there. But then if they, if they move somewhere and can't get back to their spot and the child sees them, they're frozen forever. Kind of a horrifying idea. That's rather frightening. It, yeah. I mean, it's taking Jim toy Henson story to a different level. <laughs> yeah. It is. I'm telling you, man, but, but it's all about the stuffed tiger that he remembers Christmas from last year. And he's trying to get back in the box. Cause he, he wants to be there when Jamie opens the box again. And I just got chills talking about it. It's somebody out there listening to this is going to go, Oh my gosh, I remember that. The, the little <laughs> toy mouse was called Mew, <laughs> you know, but, um, but you know, of course when he gets down to the Christmas tree, there's another toy there in the box and he can't understand what's going on. This is really deep themes, you know, about rejection and, loss which you know you're like this is, this is a Jim Henson movie but nobody's gonna remember that unless they their parents taped it when they were a little kid and were like look if we tape it this year then we can just play it every year they'll never know any difference <laughs> but I think this is one of those where you know everybody taped something that they loved when they were a kid back when we had VHS some of you are too young to remember that but the you know and then that those movies you know romancing the stone or Gosh, uh, you know, random stuff off of AMC became your favorite movies because that was what you had on VHS. That's and nobody what you could else watch. has ever heard of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised if neither of you ever heard of this before. I wouldn't be surprised if nobody listening to this podcast had ever heard of it. I might be surprised if nobody had ever heard of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if nobody remembered the songs but me. Yeah, it was weirdly one of those. It apparently it happened, and then. Obviously, the edited version was the only one that was ever released on VHS and everything. But it, I don't recall this being one of those things that was constantly aired during the holiday no. season or anything. No, I don't feel like it came back. I feel like yeah. it was the one year and then you never saw it again. Because we, we would watch it on tape. A little surprising that it didn't sort of resurface along with Drew Barrymore and Keanu Reeves' rise to stardom as they got older. I feel like they probably both went out of their way not to mention it. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they really tried, you know, especially when you're young and then you go back and see yourself as a kid and, you know, Drew is going, oh, God, I couldn't act it all back then. You know, <laughs> and Keanu's like, oh, I'm dancing around in a prison cell. This is not the look I want to go for. <laughs> you know? well, he, he didn't have some of his better moments either because there, there were some scenes where he just, it, it's, I don't know if it was the direction or what, but it doesn't look like he's looking at what he's supposed to be looking at and his reaction's a little too over the top. I, um, I mean, I feel like that still is kind of how he is. Everything I read kind of 
makes me think Keanu Reeves is a pretty down-to-earth person. Yes. I would think he would look back on this and actually enjoy that he did Like, it. laugh? I mean, if I'd I were going to get enjoy. him... I don't think he would be ashamed of it at all. No, not, not at all, but... <laughs> This is the yeah, thing I would want him mean. to sign, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people... He, he has done a lot more, much better known things since. Um, and, and I mean, gosh, The Matrix just knocked it out of the ballpark for him. Yeah. So what I'm Bill not surprised. What, what year did Bill and Ted come out? I, I should have looked that up. This is 86. 1989. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. this is only three years before it. Yeah, but, so Bill and Ted's was really uh, was a few years later, and that was the one the film that really put his kind of name on the map. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, anything that was prior to that, he he had done work mm-hmm. before Bill and Ted, but it was Bill and Ted that suddenly everyone went, "Oh, Keanu Reeves." Well, and Bill and Ted was a theater release. This was True. a TV movie, and so ah, if you yeah, weren't watching point. it. When it was on, it, you totally missed it. It never. You know, that's a very good radar. point too, because not until the last, I'm going to say, in the last decade, if you did a TV movie, that was kind of like that was low. Yeah, what happened to you? Either your career hasn't started yet, or your career was over. Yeah. Yep. Or now, if you were doing it as a favor to somebody you worked with in the past, and you were Pat Morita just showing up because here's a special guest star on this. Christmas special. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's uh, definitely might be why things didn't kind of resurface. Like, oh, look at where they began because though no, that was TV. That was mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. Well, and Richard um, Mulligan was a TV actor. Yes. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if you know, if you were again, if you knew him from something, you knew him from TV anyway, but probably not a Christmas special. Um, Eileen Brennan. I mean, she did films, but she was also doing television around this time mm-hmm. too wasn't she um she's around mrs. this white time in clue she was in clue oh, not mrs white i'm sorry she's mrs peacock in clue mrs peacock but wasn't she also in the uh television version of private benjamin she may have been she was in mm-hmm. the chief detective with peter falk at this time jill sholin i don't know if she went on or at this time she actually became kind of known as a scream queen she did a lot of like ah, low-budget horror films. I wondered what, what happened to her, because she, she's very pretty. And frankly, I think she's a pretty decent singer. Y'all wouldn't know that. But, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, I, I was, especially with her looks at this time, going in, you know, mid-80s, she has got the look for a, a to become a well-known actress. And mm-hmm. I felt like she just kind of fell off, you know, fell off the listings. Yeah, she did some horror films. And then I think, um, I don't remember if I read it was her or someone else that after she kind of just started doing other things, mm-hmm. not in, you know, on camera kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, interesting. And then uh, Googie Gress or Grass? Grass, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I know pretty much nothing about him too. This is the only thing that I really know him from. Um, I, I, it's funny, I spent so much time looking up the production cast of this because, you know, I felt like, oh yeah, we all know the big names in it that I I didn't, I didn't dig into any of the side characters at all. I was just looking through Googie's filmography here, seeing if I recognized (laughs) anything else. (laughs) Kind of like, uh, occasional bit roles, you know, guest Mm -hmm. star roles kind of thing on television shows. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just one-shots, things like that. He's got that very 
specific look. Mm-hmm. And he's the he's the kind of goofy sidekick that there are dozens of guys out there. Yeah. Oh no way! I, I do recognize him as doing something. He he was he was actually in the movie Armageddon as one of the NASA techs. <laughs> so when they, they when they were all sitting around the table trying to come up with how they're going uh, to deflect the asteroid, I think mm-hmm. he's the one that brought out like the solar sails. No, I don't remember. It's been too long since I've seen Armageddon. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so he's one of the guys that came up with some one of the more goofy solutions to uh, trying to rid the world of that uh, asteroid. Still, still acting to this day. So yeah. I feel like he's one of those guys that you would see him and you'd go, I've seen this guy in something. And I always love to find this kind of tie-in. He did a Star Trek Voyager episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did that. Yep. And oh, I said man. He, did, he did some voice works from the animated series. He was in Justice League Unlimited. Um, he, did, uh, he was in Freakazoid. He did some voice work. So, yeah, he's been busy. The other guy that I noticed that has... There's... Um, the dialogue editor in this, because I was looking, trying to figure out who had done some of the songs and who had done some of the dialogue. Because some mm-hmm. of the dialogue in the version I watched is extremely funny. You know, I, I mentioned a couple of lines earlier. And the, the guy who was the dialogue editor for this, his name's Robert Ulrich, and he worked on absolutely everything. If you go look him up, he's got, he's a modern, uh, you know, he's in modern films and he has a credit list like, some of these actors and directors that we looked at from the 20s and 30s where they're doing, you know, 100 movies a year or like 50 movies a year. It's just incredible. He's got this massive list of stuff. So there's some there's some people that came out of this that went on, I think, to have a pretty big impact in Hollywood. And this is just one of their forgotten well, Yeah, like, like we were describing earlier. There's a lot of power in this. It just feels like the overall feel that I have for this is this was a bunch of now impressive people's early high school attempt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you saw a promise, but it still sucked. Mm-hmm. And Christopher and I talk a lot in, um, on orphan entertainment about where you see people that, you know, can act because you've seen them in other things, but they just fall flat in a movie yeah. and it being, we, we just go, it's gotta be the direction you know, the director, this director couldn't get a performance out of this person or rushed them, you know, and I feel like this is, there's some, probably some fault at play there, some definitely poor editing. There are some, I swear there are some shots of Lisa where they used the exact same shot twice in the same scene, and you're like, either that or she just had no facial expression back then. But um, there, yeah, there's some, there's some rough bits to that, or to this, I should say. Well, I always wonder, too, if it is true that they went and filmed it in Germany, that means most of the crew was likely German. Mm. And you do always wonder about, is there, you know, translation issues or um, issues with just um, cultural cultural differences yeah. that interfere and, and create kind of... Um, not even necessarily friction, but just disconnections, disconnections yeah. you know, between cast and crew and, and et cetera. Yeah, I think that's 
that would be a valid question to ask. It'd be so interesting to ask some people that were in this. So do you remember? <laughs> yes. What was it like? You know, did were those fond memories or was this the worst three week film of your life? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that I kept thinking of when I, when I read that it was done in Germany, I'm watching like all the Toyland scenes and all the people dressed up as teddy bears and little pigs and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, you're just a bunch of big, just a bunch of German people. <laughs> you're wondering, just wandering the, around. Just wandering around. <laughs> what the hell is going on? I, I even, Although there was, there was one actual beautiful. I kept spotting her. She was dressed. Uh, it was like her and another man were dressed the same as like a, a pair of clowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, oh, one male, one female. I, I'm the glad female, you mentioned I them. Just kept jumping. The female kept jumping out to me as being one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen on screen. I'm thinking, and she's in a bit little bit non-speaking role and it's like she keeps distracting me every time she's on i'm like looking at her i have no idea what else is going on so something you probably didn't notice because you were looking at the woman the man in that clown outfit is an actual ballet dancer because he does some leaps and some spins that only a trained professional dancer could do and so they i mean you know we talked about some of the production values they had some people in there that had real skill uh, they're just, they're just a bunch of clowns. <laughs> no, they, they really, they must've brought in some character actors, you know, Zach and Mac, another good example. Those guys didn't walk on and just act goofy. They had practice. Skills. Yes. Yeah. They had real skills at that physical comedy. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to say about the film? Now I'm wondering if they didn't have any lines because they were German. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. I, it might be worth it now for me to go and watch the three-hour version just to see if there's more of the clown. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. I I really, like, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this movie and you go, you know what, could be fun. I've got some kids. They might enjoy it. Look for the full version of it. They're just, there are moments in it that are really enjoyable that it sounds like you won't get if you get the shorter version. I know I shouldn't be recommending people watch stuff off of YouTube instead of off of Prime, but... Sometimes it's just not available. And this literally isn't. I mean, this has never been made available in its full version, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that surprises me, considering how popular Drew Barrymore and, Ke- and especially Keanu yes. Reeves has become. Yeah. That no one, you know, Shout Factory, or somebody, right? someone that, that does kind of like these oddball releases hasn't mm-hmm. gotten a hold of the full version of this and put it out on DVD or Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It, it blows me away. I mean, I'd buy it. Well, I, obviously <laughs> you would. You're kidding. <laughs> you know, this entire conversation, Lydia, I'm not entirely clear on how you feel about this film. <laughs> well, let me just sing a little song to tell you. <laughs> As this podcast goes three hours over. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it out there for you, just as a, spe- a special little gift to your listeners. Uh, if anybody would like to sing that song with me as a duet, I will do that. Absolutely willing to donate my voice to remaking that song because it's just adorable. <laughs> 
Well, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. Lydia, thank you so much for coming on and talking uh, about this. Thank you so much for taking my horrible recommendation and m- making me watch it again and it, getting through it. <laughs> nah, it. It couldn't fit the theme better. We've been watching a lot of made-for-TV movies this year, and you know the holidays coming up. You know Christmas is coming up. Like this, this was perfect. It, it was it was made to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. Meant to be. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. No, it was made to be. It was made to be watched. And so Tom, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for suffering through it. <laughs> As I always say, even uh, when watching the bad ones, there is something of value. Uh, so. I at least got to know what pain truly is. <laughs> oh, jeez. Not that bad. It's not that bad. No, 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 no. But it, it, I think I said somewhere between either. you. This, we're, I, I, I said somewhere between you and Lydia, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Go watch either version and check it out and see what you think for yourself. And uh, you get back to us. Let us know what you think. Hey, everyone. Lydia again. I said I would, and I did what I promised. I went and watched the edited down version of Babes in Toyland. My considered opinion, which I know you're interested in, is definitely watch the full length one. Uh, Pretty quickly, I found out that there are huge chunks of jokes missing. Three songs are cut out, and the continuity just falls very, very flat. So Christopher and Tom are completely right. The version they watched is awful. So if you decide to go ahead and watch Babes in Toyland, make sure you're watching the one that is the, quote, director's cut, which is the one that was actually, as it was actually aired. I hope you guys all have a great holiday season, and thanks for having me on the show. Bye. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Lydia, again, thank you very much. So we'll talk to everyone in a couple weeks. Bye, everybody. See you. Bye.